How y'all doing? My name is Caleb Smith, man. Here with 3-6 Radio, uh, part-time research and uh, radio host. Today, man, we're going to talk about a little uh, Autism Awareness Month, you know. Um, I want to thank y'all for listening, man. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's hard out in these days. I don't get a lot of viewers, so I really appreciate y'all listening to me. So uh, let me let me introduce my guest, you know what I'm saying? I have Miss Joanna Smith. Came by to bless us with her expertise, you know what I'm saying? So, you feel me? Uh, go ahead and um, tell, me some, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like your, your career, you know, what you've done, you know, just a little bit about yourself. I'm Joanna Smith, and I've worked in early childhood for about 25 years. Wow, my goodness. That's a long time, y'all. It's a long time. I went to school at UNCG. Got my first degree in 1994 in early childhood education, human development, and family studies. And soon after that, I started working with young children in Charlotte, North Carolina. I worked in a typical child care center for my first couple years. And then after I worked there, I worked in the early intervention for North Carolina, and just a little question for you: uh, Did were you um, able to like interact with um, kids with autism while you were there? Well, I didn't learn about children with special needs or differing abilities until I started working in early intervention, and during that time, early intervention was housed under mental health. So. Okay. We received a lot of training and a lot of support in how to engage children who had developmental delays, children with speech delays, children with developmental disorders such as Down syndrome or Fragile X or ADHD or children that just may have had a pervasive developmental delay that we weren't really sure what their diagnosis would be. I also encountered children with autism. And during that time, we really didn't have a whole lot of information about how to serve children with autism. We just received a lot of training on how to engage and work with children who really struggled to interact socially and whose language skills were limited. So that is really where I got most of my training in how to serve young children who either were showing the characteristics of autism or who were going to receive a diagnosis of autism sometime in the future. Okay, one one more question for you. Um for someone that's wanting to go into that field, uh what what steps would you say they would need to take to kind of um deal with the child that has these kind of disorders? Well, I think the first thing is definitely going to school and and gaining your education because that is really the foundation and the framework for how you interact with children developmentally. Most children have a developmental sequence that everyone shares. It's just that some children meet their milestones at different times. And so even though in school you may not receive a whole lot, like I did receive some support because my student teaching was in an inclusive classroom And I did serve a child who was autistic and blind. So some of that hands-on training, but also the training around 
what is developmentally appropriate is really going to help you understand where children go in their own developmental journey. And so I would encourage people to get that foundation. But I think one of the things that I remember about working in early intervention was that I got a lot of hands-on training. So I was working side by side with people. They showed me and modeled for me what was supposed to happen. I got a lot of training about things to look for, ways to read children's cues, how to know when an environment could be overstimulating and overwhelming, how to support parents, because that's a big deal. So I really would encourage people to get some good training, modeling, and experience working with children who have those types of challenges. That's a lot of insight right there. Um, In one of the papers that I wrote in college, I talked about how movies talk about the savant autistic kind of thing how there's a lot in movies you know so uh, my question to you was um, how prevalent is that when we're talking about regular cases I think autism is more prevalent now than it has ever been there's a lot of research about why it is more prevalent in some of my discussions with people from other countries one of the things that they talk about is that autism is not as prevalent in other countries or overseas or it may be that it's not as recognized, but one of the reasons they believe that autism has had an increase is because of exposure to toxins in the food, in the environment. And so there is a greater increase now in the fact that we see more children who are exhibiting characteristics of autism and definitely a lot more children who are being diagnosed and being diagnosed with autism at an earlier age. That was really um, important what you brought up, the toxins, you know what I'm saying, in America. I like that point. Um, out of all your years of um, early childhood, what are some of the things that you would take out of that to help another person that's trying to go into that field? Kind of the major points about your career. I think having a combination of education and experience is really important. It's important to really understand that, yes, we are serving children who may have an autistic diagnosis or may be exhibiting the characteristics of autism. However, many times, symptoms of or characteristics of autism, you'll see them across the board with a lot of children who have developmental delays. So the same techniques and strategies that you would use with any child that is having a speech delay or having a difficult time socially connecting or who is struggling with um, a limited vocabulary, they're the same strategies that we would use with another child you would also use with children who have autism. So the main thing is make sure you understand the strategies and interventions that you can use in the classroom that are universal and then be more specific as you're including children who have other challenges. So um, that's what I would encourage someone to do. In the position that I have now, I serve as an education manager that serves um, children in early Head Start. So one of our responsibilities is identifying children who may have developmental challenges or may be screened to have some developmental delay. 
And so it's really important that we train teachers in how to create an inclusive environment for those children that they're not treated poorly, that they're in a nurturing environment that's high quality, and that will help the child grow and progress to their potential in spite of what they may be experiencing. Um, about this Autism Awareness Month, um, in your field, what's the significance of this, like this month in particular? For a long time, there just really wasn't a lot of emphasis and a lot of money to do the research around autism. That's why some of the research studies that have come out about how autism has become more prevalent, what kinds of factors are contributing to that, and a lot of that came out of this autism awareness. Um, autism Speaks is a website and an organization that supports the research around autism. Also, also Autism Society is doing a lot of support, and there are other organizations that are providing support to families and to children who are experiencing autism by the research, by raising funds, by creating programs where children can receive certain interventions or certain therapies, also where children can go for childcare, because that's very difficult for a child who has autism to find the basic things that they need, like childcare, um, being able to go on errands, so some type of respite for families. So those are some of the things that are very helpful or other therapies that they might need. That was a, that was a lot of good information that you said there for my viewers. But um, right now we're going to take a little break. We've been going for a little bit, a um, little commercial break. This has been 3-6 uh, Radio. I'm your host, Caleb Smith. We'll be back after the break. How y'all doing? My name is Caleb Smith, man. Here with 3-6 Radio, uh, part-time research and uh, radio host. Today, man, we're going to talk about a little uh, Autism Awareness Month, you know. Um, I want to thank y'all for listening, man. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's hard out in these days. I don't get a lot of viewers, so I really appreciate y'all listening to me. So uh, let me let me introduce my guest, you know what I'm saying? I have Miss Joanna Smith came by to bless us with her expertise, you know what I'm saying? So you feel me? Uh, go ahead and um, tell, me, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Like your career, you know, what you've done, you know, just a little bit about yourself. I'm Joanna Smith, and I've worked in early childhood for about 25 years. Wow, my goodness. It's a long time, y'all. It's a long time. I went to school at UNCG and got my first degree in 1994 in early childhood education, human development, and family studies. And soon after that, I started working with young children in Charlotte, North Carolina. I worked in a typical child care center for my first couple years. And then after I worked there, I worked in the early intervention for North Carolina, and just a little question for you: uh, Did were you um, able to like interact with um, kids with autism while you were there? 
Well, I didn't learn about children with special needs or differing abilities until I started working in early intervention. And during that time, early intervention was housed under mental health. So we received a lot of training and a lot of support in how to engage children who had developmental delays, children with speech delays, children with developmental disorders such as Down syndrome or fragile X or ADHD or children that just may have had a pervasive developmental delay that we weren't really sure what their diagnosis would be. I also encountered children with autism and during that time we really didn't have a whole lot of information about how to serve children with autism. We just received a lot of training on how to engage and work with children who really struggled to interact socially and whose language skills were limited. So that is really where I got most of my training and how to serve young children who either were showing the characteristics of autism or who were going to receive a diagnosis of autism sometime in the future. Okay, one one more question for you. Um, for someone that's wanting to go into that field, uh, what what steps would you say they would need to take to kind of um, deal with the child that has these kind of disorders? Well, I think the first thing is definitely going to school and, and gaining your education because that is really the foundation and the framework for how you interact with children developmentally. Most children have a developmental sequence that everyone shares. It's just that some children meet their milestones at different times. And so even though in school you may not receive a whole lot, like I did receive some support because my student teaching was in an inclusive classroom and I did serve a child who was autistic and blind. So some of that hands-on training, but also the training around what is developmentally appropriate is really going to help you understand where children go in their own developmental journey. And so I would encourage people to get that foundation. But I think one of the things that I remember about working in early intervention was that I got a lot of hands-on training. So I was working side by side with people. They showed me and modeled for me what was supposed to happen. I got a lot of training about things to look for, ways to read children's cues, how to know when an environment could be overstimulating and overwhelming, how to support parents, because that's a big deal. So I really would encourage people to get some good training, modeling, and experience working with children who have those types of challenges. There's a lot of insight right there. Um... In one of the papers that I wrote in college, I talked about how movies talk about the savant autistic kind of thing, how there's a lot in movies, you know. So uh, my question to you was, uh, how prevalent is that when we're talking about regular cases? I think autism is more prevalent now than it has ever been. There's a lot of research about why it is more prevalent. In some of my discussions with people from other countries, One of the things that they talk about is that autism is not as prevalent in other countries or overseas, or it may be that it's not as recognized, but one of the reasons they believe 
that autism has had an increase is because of exposure to toxins in the food, in the environment. And so there is a greater increase now in the fact that we see more children who are exhibiting characteristics of autism and definitely a lot more children who are being diagnosed and being diagnosed with autism at an earlier age. That was really um, important what you brought up, the toxins, you know what I'm saying, in America. I like that point. Um, out of all your years of um, early childhood, what are some of the things that you would take out of that to help another person that's trying to go into that field? Kind of the major points about your career. I think having a combination of education and experience is really important. It's important to really understand that yes, we are serving children who may have an autistic diagnosis or may be exhibiting the characteristics of autism. However, many times symptoms of or characteristics of autism, you'll see them across the board with a lot of children who have developmental delays. So the same techniques and strategies that you would use with any child that is having a speech delay or having a difficult time socially connecting or who is struggling with um, a limited vocabulary. They're the same strategies that we would use with another child. You will also use with children who have autism. So the main thing is make sure you understand the strategies and interventions that you can use in the classroom that are universal and then be more specific as you're including children who have other challenges. So, um, that's what I would encourage someone to do. In the position that I have now, I serve as an education manager that serves um, children in early Head Start. So one of our responsibilities is identifying children who may have developmental challenges or may be screened to have some developmental delay. And so it's really important that we train teachers in how to create an inclusive environment for those children that they're not treated poorly that they're in a nurturing environment that's high quality and that will help the child grow and progress to their potential in spite of what they may be experiencing. Um, about this Autism Awareness Month, um, in your field, what's the significance of this, like this month in particular? For a long time, there just really wasn't a lot of emphasis and a lot of money to do the research around autism. That's why some of the research studies that have come out about how autism has become more prevalent, what kinds of factors are contributing to that, and a lot of that came out of this autism awareness. Um, autism Speaks is a website and an organization that supports the research around autism. Also, also, Autism Society is doing a lot of support, and there are other organizations that are providing support to families and to children who are experiencing autism by the research, by raising funds, by creating programs where children can receive certain interventions or certain therapies, also where children can go for child care, because that's very difficult for a child who has autism to find the basic things that they need, like child care, 
um, being able to go on errands, so some type of respite for families. So those are some of the things that are very helpful or other therapies that they might need. Was a, that was a lot of good information that you said there for my viewers. But um, right now, we're going to take a little break. We've been going for a little bit, a um, little commercial break. This has been 3-6 uh, Radio. I'm your host, Caleb Smith. We'll be back after the break. Hey, everybody. It's 3-6 Radio back here after the break. I'm your host, Caleb Smith. And we're going to get back into the conversation we were having. I'm back here with my guest, Miss Joanna Smith. Um, One little question I have for you to open us up. Um, When a parent first finds out that their ch- child has autism, what are kind of the steps that they can take to um, better their situation? Well, it really is going to depend on the process that through which they found out that their child was diagnosed. So most of the time, children learn, parents learn that their child has the characteristics of autism through referrals to local agencies that actually take them through that diagnosis. So those agencies, like the Children's Developmental Services Agency, they provide early intervention, and then the school system also provides support. And a lot of times those supports, those therapies, are then connected to their pediatrician, and then the pediatrician helps them walk through the process of any specific needs that they find that their child has that has autism. And any additional supports that might be related to autism, like digestive issues or say the child may have a diagnosis of autism and ADHD, or they may have trouble sleeping or just some of the other issues that can happen when a child is diagnosed with autism. And um, a lot of confusion um, comes with the autism spectrum. Most people think that autism is like just one, you know, one certain situation when it's like a brand a broad spectrum of all kinds of problems can you kind of speak to that a little bit how the spectrum works so autism is a spectrum disorder meaning that it's on a continuum so you can have children that have a mild um, autism or maybe diagnosed with asperger's syndrome or you have children that are moderate up to severe in terms of having autism and in terms of the developmental delays that they may be experiencing. So they're finding that a lot of these conditions, say dyslexia is another one that they believe is on a spectrum. And Mm -hmm. so you can have a a person that has a mild case of dyslexia all the way up to a more severe case of dyslexia. So autism is definitely one of those spectrum disorders that looks different depending on the child. And depending on how deep the diagnosis is. That's real interesting. Um, Another question I have for you. Um, When you're treating a child, what kind of treatments kind of work better than others? There really isn't any treatment that I believe works better than other treatments. Families select treatments based on what they're exposed to and also what they can afford and what they feel like would be a better fit for their family. Some of the treatments that have gained a lot of leverage over the years is ABA treatment or applied behavioral analysis, which is a positive reinforcement training, discrete trainings, very specific um, training to help the child give more visual attention and be able to follow through on social cues. Another training that has gained some momentum is the floor time 
therapy that was created by Dr. Greenspan. And that is really building on circles of communication. So it requires that children interact with their caregivers on the floor and that they practice circles of communication through eye contact, through verbal responses. And so people are trained in that as well. Another program that we are more aware of here in North Carolina is called the TEACH program, which is used in a classroom and places a heavy emphasis on visual communication and other ways of communication to young, communicating to young children that gives children with autism an opportunity to create more um, communication strategies. And then children with autism benefit from occupational therapy, speech therapy, physical therapy to help build them up in skills that they know that they may find challenging, like being able to vocalize and speak, also using their fine motor skills, which is occupational therapy and self-help skills, and possibly physical therapy if they're having any weaknesses in terms of their tones and their muscle strength. Um, as a parent, um, if your child did have autism, would you rather him kind of staying home to kind of get that social aspect or would you kind of like send them off to like a mental institute just to get some things in order? I really believe in the inclusion model of including as many children as possible and with other children so that they can learn from their peers. Really the best way for children to learn is to learn from peers of their own age. So that's really the best model for children. I believe that depending on the sensory issues, because a lot of children with autism have sensory issues, that will determine what kinds of environments that we will want a child to be included in and how well they can tolerate that over practice in a period of time. So I really don't advocate for mental institutions or places that isolate children, but we want to give them as many opportunities as possible within their abilities and if they're struggling then we work with them until they're able to get there i want to thank you for coming down and spending time with my podcast with your expertise i know the viewers enjoyed it a lot um we want to give a thanks to our uh sponsor the dr k foundation they're really putting a lot of money into this um podcast and i want to thank the viewers for listening and again i know it's getting crazy out there with the quarantine and all that but i want you guys to stay strong and this has been three six radio and we'll be back next week i'm your host caleb smith and be safe out there thank you